This is One on One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With the top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One on One's NFL Friday. Our 20th week of NFL Friday here from our WFUV studios, Mike Watts, Kenny Ducey with you here sitting across the table. And, of course, in back, Nick LeGerfo, Julian Atienza for yet another week. It is championship week in the NFL. And, uh, look, the, these are two really good games. We're going to get a chance to talk about them later, Kenny. But I, I'm really looking forward to both the Ravens and the Pats and the Falcons and the Niners. I, I am, I've been a 49ers bandwagon fan, I would say, for a year and a half now. So this is really thrilling for me. <laughs> I think it's their year. As opposed to the Ravens, and then the Ravens and the Patriots, this game, it makes me sick to my stomach. Because you know, you know why, Mike. I, you know I'm not a big fan of Ray Lewis. No. And you know I'm a huge hater of the Patriots. For so the first time in my more? life, I am rooting for Tom <laughs> Brady to win this game. Okay. We'll have plenty of time to talk about the logistics of you deciding to root for him, but... As of right now, let, let's talk about the remainder of the show here. Clark Judge from CBS Sports, a, a feature columnist, senior columnist for them, will be coming on. He, I believe, was in Atlanta last week, if memory serves. I think so, For yeah. that game, as uh, he's traveling around, he'll be at one of the two games here this weekend. He'll cover the Super Bowl, so he was nice enough to join us, a WFUV member in his own right. Got to talk about coaches around the league. That's coming up. We'll preview both games and maybe look a little bit back at the last uh, four games last weekend. We'll give you some picks real quick as we go through. But let's begin with a little bit of New York. And there's a story for the Giants that I want to touch on briefly. But I think the big story right now is the New York Jets. And John Idzik, as reported by Jason LaCanfora of CBS Sports, is the new GM of the New York Jets he is a player personnel guy, apparently, from Seattle. But as I've seen, Rich Semini, I thought, had a very good uh, tweet from ESPN New York that this is a guy who's great at salary cap, lacks experience in scouting and personnel, and won the interviews. What are your initial thoughts with this news just breaking? Well, you look at the Seahawks and you look at the player personnel decisions they've made under him, and I think they've been pretty good. They seem to have a good draft class every year. They seem to get one or two guys out of there. Golden Tate has a lot of talent. Of course, you bring in Zach Miller from the from the Raiders, which I thought was a good find. It was a low-cost find, and he's actually stepped it up for the Seahawks. And then, of course, Russell Wilson. But uh, I don't know if I agree with Rich when he talks about it was another Tannenbaum. You look at Mike Tannenbaum. Now, he wasn't very, very successful with the Jets, but yes, there were a couple good draft picks in there and two AFC Championship games, and clearly this year he didn't do anything in the offseason. No. So, of course, you're going to face the scrutiny when you don't do anything and you still have money to spend. You look at the player personnel decisions for the Jets. They've been questionable in the past. The real conversation, Mike, is who was making those decisions. It seemed to me... In that Rex Ryan press conference and what I'd been hearing before that, that it was Ryan who was making a lot of these personnel decisions and draft picks. And if that's so, then even more of a, that's even more of a reason to fire Ryan. And that's more of a reason to maybe let Tannenbaum, you know, take a little slack off him. But still, I think personnel-wise, I think this is a step in the right direction. I think that even if he's the guy who's going to take over 
and not let Rex Ryan decide, and he's going to decide, that's a good step. If you're going to give him those reins, that's a very good uh, way to start winning. Well, and obviously where I stand on this is, is if indeed John Idzik is another Mike Tannenbaum in the sense that he is a salary cap guy, a negotiator guy, a business decision guy, and you're leaving all the personnel decisions yet again with Rex Ryan, are you repeating the same mistake? And if that's the case, I don't think you need a new coach or a new GM. You need a new owner. Woody Johnson can't make this mistake twice. Well, if you're the director of player personnel, Mike, you're not going to go to a team and have no say in player personnel. Absolutely. That's ridiculous. So clearly he's going to have a little bit of an input, which, again, is good if he's getting his foot in this door and uh, you know, getting into this meeting room, figuring out who they want to draft. But I really think that in this interview process, Woody Johnson didn't you know recognize Rex Ryan like maybe the god he thinks he is. I really think that if you want to hire a GM and a guy who's been on a team and you know the Seahawks made it all the way to the division round of the playoffs, right. he knows that he should be treated with respect and he knows that you know they're going to look at some of the decisions he made and go, okay, these are good decisions. We want this guy. I'm sure that he is going to have his fair share of say in this. Uh, one of the interesting decisions you're going to have to make, though, the Jets brought in Braylon Edwards, as you remember, this year to help out that receiving core, which, of course, was a Division three college receiving core. And now the question is, does Idzik cut Edwards because he cut him in Seattle? And again, we don't know the reason for that. It could have been too many receivers, could have been an attitude problem, could have been performance-based. But nonetheless, Braylon could be gone. A lot of other people could be gone. Well, and before we go any further, the interview we did with Clark Judge was actually pre-taped for this podcast, so we don't have his opinion coming up in the Jets GM search, although we did ask him about it before this this knowledge uh, came available. Yeah, so I asked, I asked him if anyone would even want the job. And, and apparently asked. someone did. Uh, yeah, I guess so. So you're going to get his opinion on the overall state of that job, and uh, you won't really hear any reaction from Clark about this specific uh, instance of the Jets hiring John Idzik here. As for the remainder of, of the New York uh, football area at this point because there's not a lot to talk about but yes Eli Manning is now going to the Pro Bowl if you can believe it and and that's about how (laughs) I feel but he really didn't have a good year and it's just a quick reminder to me as we get towards the Pro Bowl how little I actually like what is a garbage all-star game I hate it I hate it the players don't care and this just proves it you're not getting the top product on the field Yes, Matt Ryan would probably be a better pick, but okay, you know he's playing. He's this week. He's clearly not going to play. Uh, I I don't like this. I don't like the Pro Bowl. The players don't care. It doesn't even. No one even watches it, really. Uh, why keep it around? And you know what? There is a, a big discussion. Uh, you know, should they keep it? Should they not? I mean, you look at quarterback ratings in the NFC. And I don't see Eli Manning's name in the top five. He's number seven. Tony Romo's ahead of him. Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, RG3, and Aaron Rodgers. He's number seven in quarterback rating. And that's in the NFC. In the NFC, NFC. not even in the NFL. And you only need three of those guys. Right. Three. And he's number seven in passing yards, too. Three. So, again, I don't don't understand the love obsession with Eli Manning. And he only completed 60% of his passes, which is ninth in the league, behind Nick Foles. But you look at the overall body of work for Eli and, you know, maybe they want to take the New York audience 
and bring him in and wa- bring them in and watch the Pro Bowl. And I'm sure that some Giants fans will watch the Pro Bowl to see Eli Manning throw, you know, maybe ten passes in the in the fourth quarter when they throw in the garbage, <laughs> like the garbage of the All Stars, uh, uh, yes. which is still good, but. Um, no, I, I don't understand this move. Uh, I, I think they could have picked someone else. But again, you get a big market like New York. You get Eli in there. Maybe you get some viewers. You get some more advertisers back. I don't know why they would. That, that's probably the reason they did it, I would say. And uh, obviously, again, just a, a reminder, just just a small nugget to get everyone aware of how bad the NFL Pro Bowl really is. And of course, there's talk about maybe getting rid of it one day, but that day they will. is not in the extremely near future. Could be in the next few years, but it won't be this year. So Eli to the Pro Bowl, he'll replace uh, a player who uh, I think RG three is replacing. Yeah, uh, who of course is injured. That's obvious to anyone with uh, connection to ESPN in any form. Still, Ro- I would think in Romo. Romo had a great year. He just wasn't good in clutch situations. He had a like statistically, Romo's elite. But you know, when it comes down to the four, you know, last drive of the fourth quarter, he's not always that good. So the Pro Bowl, obviously, just just not for me. But Eli Manning does, in, at least in that way, has something to say yeah, as to why so, he's yeah. there. Something, anything, even though he had just a torturous middle of the season. The coaching carousel continue continues to turn here. Mark Tressman goes to the Bear. The I believe two thousand nine. CFL Coach of the Year. Mike McCoy, the offensive coordinator for uh, this year's awesome Denver Broncos offense. No, not Peyton Manning. Mike McCoy is headed to San Diego. The Jaguars have gotten Gus Bradley, the former defensive coordinator for the um, Seattle Seahawks, who are just recently out of the playoffs. Eagles with Chip Kelly and the Browns with Rob Chudzinski, who came over from the Carolina Panthers where he worked with Cam Newton, of course. Chip Kelly, to me, the former Oregon head coach, is the big name, but I don't yeah. know that he's really going to work, and I don't think Mike Vick, everyone says he's going to work in that, but he's too injury-prone. I don't think he works. I, I don't know about it either, Mike. I, I do think he's the best of the class uh, in terms of the, the recent hires we've seen. I think he's going to do the best, especially because they have a lot of talent over there in Philly. There are a lot of interesting stories surrounding this. I don't know if you heard, uh, but Andy Reid... He helped out hire Chip Kelly, actually. Um, so, you know, maybe that was a little goodbye present, I guess. Interesting. And then <laughs> uh, Chip Kelly was in Texas recruiting a running back when, you know, just hours before he took the job. So clearly a guy who wasn't very, you know, committed to leaving Oregon. Yeah, and that sounds to me a little bit like like uh, Tommy Tuberville who went to Cincinnati. He was at dinner with a recruit and got up and never came back. <laughs> well, that's like, uh, and even last offseason, Rex Ryan, his bud Todd Heap, who played tight end for him in, in Baltimore, or not for him because he was a defensive coordinator at the time, but he played with him in Baltimore. He was on a recruiting trip with Rex Ryan. You know, they were walking around New York and he gets a phone call from his agent. They get an offer from the Cardinals. He's like, all right, yeah, I'll accept it. And while he was with Rex Ryan, he became a member of the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> so th- this stuff happens all the time. But uh, I think Chip Kelly can work with this offense. Vic, you, you don't know where Vic's going to be, if he's going to be on the Eagles. I think he probably will be. But, you know, of course, there's all that talk about the Jets. And that's ridiculous talk. I think there's a shot here. Basically because you have LaShawn McCoy, Deshaun Jackson, and Michael Vick, three of the most talented offensive players in this league, in my opinion. 
I said before the season I thought the Eagles were one of the most talented teams, and I stand yeah. by that point. And they, they are. They just clearly haven't converted. They, right. they haven't. They haven't executed. Well, and I don't know that the pieces necessarily fit the system. And when you have a guy like Shady McCoy, LaShawn McCoy, you need to hand him the ball. Now, I, I, Bruce Arians is also a guy who, who's going to the Cardinals. It'll be interesting to see what he can do with the quarterback situation. He has nobody like Andrew Luck or Ben Roethlisberger. Who Not he's even been, close. Yeah, he's been working with them the most recent years. And, of course, this sounds more like when he was with the Browns and had to find a way to make Kelly Holcomb a decent quarterback, if you can oh, believe it. I miss it. Kelly Holcomb. Kelly Holcomb, my boy, uh, who, of course, took the Browns to the playoffs in 2002. Why do I know that? I don't know. Because you don't Either way, <laughs> needless to say, real quick, the guy you think will end up making the biggest impact, we'll ask Clark about it here in a second. I think it's Kelly. Basically because the switch from one co- head coach to the other, it'll be a wake-up call for Philly, and I think they're really going to respond and play well. They have the best shot of winning under a new head coach. Now we bring on longtime WFUV member and CBSSports.com columnist Clark Judge to talk championship weekend and the coaching carousel that just continues to turn. Thanks for joining us here on another edition of One-on-One NFL Friday. Thanks for coming on. How you doing? My pleasure. I'm glad you introduced me that way because WFUV member is what I'm most proud of. <laughs> Thanks, slightly Clark. over CBS Sports, just slightly though, just right? A little bit. <laughs> That's an afterthought. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before we go any further, the, the biggest story maybe in football right now isn't even the NFL. And I know some of your colleagues have uh, written some articles about Manti Teo. And uh, just have you heard anything in the league about him? Obviously, he's a draft prospect who's obviously pretty well known. He's he's a top ten draft pick in some places. Is he now? Uh, I, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, that's just going to have to play itself out. It's a confounding and perplexing story, and I don't know that anyone knows whom to believe here. I, I really don't. I mean, it, it's one of the weirdest stories I've ever come across. But I'll tell you, if they find out that uh, he was complicit in this or that somehow he uh, wasn't the victim, that somehow he was part of it, yeah, I know some GMs who would say, I don't want to touch this guy because I can't trust him off the field. If I can't trust him off the field, how can I trust him on the field? I mean, he was disingenuous in this. But some people look past that. But in terms of a top ten pick, I, I, I can't say that at this point. I, I don't know what's going to play itself out in the next week, next two weeks, or before we have the draft in April. Sticking off the field here, Clark, I want to talk about the Jets' GM search because apparently that's going to come to the an end soon. Uh, and, man, what a mess they're going to have to inherit. Who, who would want this job? Well, that's a good question, but there are only 32 of them. So they do become lucrative jobs, and you're in the biggest market in the country. So uh, it, it's good from that vantage point. Um, I, I think you've got an opportunity here to actually do something in, in terms of you know making some amends for some mistakes that have been created in the past. But at the same time, it, it, it is going to be tough. I mean, you're working with a coach who may be on a one-year contract essentially or a very very short leash um you're with a quarterback that nobody knows about uh, in terms of can he get ahead he's regressing uh is he going to get better is he not um and there's all sorts of questions about you know his his running backs his wide receivers the offensive line defense i i I listened to what bart scott said and he was right i mean they just didn't, didn't have enough quality players well whoever comes in here um, the bar has been lowered, okay? So I think there's a, a chance to make yourself look good from that vantage point. But you're going to have to make some hard and fast decisions about some pretty important players, starting with the quarterback. Absolutely. Now, let's look not at the GM, but rather the coaching for really, a, a, I think, what, eight or nine teams ended up switching mm-hmm. coaches here. And a couple of positions were filled here in the last few days, the Jaguars, the Bears, 
have filled their positions. I saw an article you wrote about Mark Tressman, but in all, who do you think is going to end up being the best hire? Who's going to have the biggest impact next year? Ooh, boy, that's a that's a tough question to answer. Um, I mean, Tressman got the best job out there. That's the Chicago job. I mean, they were ten and six this year. Should have been in the playoffs. We're this close to making the playoffs, and. They've got a very good team with a very solid defense and good players on defense and a defense that forces mistakes and turns those mistakes into touchdowns. Um, they've got a quarterback that you can win with. He's, he's an issue, but you can win with him. They demonstrate that. You've got Brandon Marshall. You've got Matt Forte, which you don't have as an offensive line. But Mark Tressman comes in ahead of the curve because he comes from an all-passing league. In Canada, it was an all-passing league, basically. I've known Mark for years, and I know what he's done over the years. In San Francisco, I first came across him, um, Arizona with Jake Plummer, and Oakland. He had the Oakland Raiders in the Super Bowl, and Rich Gannon throwing for a zillion yards and became a league MVP. So I, I think he could have a dramatic impact on the quarterback there, meaning Jake Cutler. He worked with him before the draft. He has a familiarity with him, and maybe he's a guy that Cutler can trust, and, and he can help him. He's done miracles with some guys in the past, and, and you're going to have to get this guy going in terms of attitude and trust and that sort of thing. If you can, he's got all the physical abilities in the world. But I, I don't know that that's possible. There's some real leadership questions I have with, with uh, Cutler. But when you say the biggest impact, he's going into a 10-6 and six team. So, you know, if they go 11-5, and five, is that a big impact? Well, if they make the playoffs, it is. Um, so, uh, you know, Chip Kelly in, in, in Philadelphia, I have no idea what to expect there. I mean, certainly they'll be better, you would hope, than 4-12. and 12. There's a lot of talent on that team, but there's a lot of overpaid talent on defense. There are a lot of guys who really just uh, didn't give a rip this year and, and didn't d- didn't show up in ball games offensively. Does he have a quarterback? Is it going to be Michael Vick? Is it going to be Nick Foles? And he talked nicely about Foles. And, and Vick turns 33 next year. He's taken a lot of hits. That said, he's also turns the ball over a lot now. So I don't know if he'll be around. There's some questions about that club. I think he'll have an impact, but can it be more than just sort of a gimmick? I, I don't know. I want to see it. I want to see it in action. And also, he may have to tear up that roster and, and get you know 290-pound offensive linemen. I just don't know what he's going to do here. So um, that's the most intriguing, I think, in terms of what's out there. But in, in others, you know, like Chudzinski in Cleveland, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, Moroan in Buffalo – I know people are high on him, but that doesn't excite me either. Um, in San Diego, they've got a great quarterback there, need an offensive line, uh, has some good young defensive players. But, um, you know, you're looking at um, an offensive coordinator who certainly made a name for himself last year in Denver. I'm talking about Mike McCoy and what he did with Tim Tebow. That was remarkable. I thought it was terrific. And then <laughs> this year, you know, they had Peyton Manning, and um, they go to the top of the heap, and you saw what happened last week. And, and then when I heard that they had hired Denver's offensive coordinator, I went, wow, that's great. I didn't know they got Peyton Manning. Oh, it's Mike McCoy. <laughs> um, so um, a year ago I could have seen it. I'm not really sure what Mike McCoy did to further himself this year. Um, they have a guy in that staff, Ken Wisenhunt, uh, as the offensive coordinator. Honestly, I wish he had gotten a head coaching job somewhere, and especially in San Diego. But um, we'll just see how it plays out. Honestly, I will tell you, since we're going down the, the list here, I bet the biggest impact's in Kansas City, Andy Reid, because they've got players. They need a quarterback. He'll find a quarterback. He did that when he got into Philadelphia, took Donovan McNabb with a second pick. He's got the first pick this year. He's not going to get a quarterback there. There's not anyone worth taking with the first pick. He'll either move down he'll, or he'll find someone at the top of the second round, just as San Diego did in 2001 with Drew Brees, or he'll find one in free agency or maybe both. But he'll get that thing straightened out. They've got some players there. They've got some very good players on defense. They've got some talented players on offense, too. I mean, I started 
doing with Jamal Charles? If they can yeah. keep Dwayne Bow around, I don't know, but I bet Andy has the biggest impact. Hey, you mentioned Jamal Charles. I've long thought that he's one of the most talented running backs in the league, just needs maybe a better team around him. All right, I want to move on there. You mentioned Peyton Manning last week, and I really want to know because immediately everyone was talking about, oh, why do you take a knee there with, I think, I believe it was 20 seconds, two timeouts, Peyton Manning. Do you think that they they could have won the game on that drive? Was that really a game-changing drive? I, what would you have done in that situation? I, I would have tried to get the ball down the field. Yes, I did think it was a game-changing drive because I think it telegraphed to everyone, this team's playing not to lose. They're not playing to win. They've gone into a shell. They just got hammered with a play you, you seldom see in your lifetime. 70 yards to go, 30 seconds left, no timeouts. And Raheem Moore let somebody get behind him? I, I mean, I was astounded. I was at that game, and I was astounded. I just looked at these guys and said, I don't believe what I just saw. I know a lot of people were saying the same thing, especially on the sidelines. And afterwards, Moore said, I'm speechless. Well, he spoke for everyone because everyone was speechless. And he I fell think flat had, on his back. Yeah, well, I think it had, had an impact on that team, had an impact on John Fox. And you saw the next day what could have happened. Atlanta got the ball against Seattle with under 31 seconds to go. Now, Seattle scored with 31 seconds to go, but Atlanta took the kickoff back to whatever it was, the 29, 30, something like that. And they had a little time to work with, and yet it took two plays for Matt Ryan to put him in field goal position. After the game when John Fox was asked about that, the kneel down, he said, well, you know, we had to go the length of the field, and bad things can happen in a short period of time like that. Well, A, you didn't have to go the length of the field. B, good things can happen. C, that's why you got Peyton Manning there. Exactly. Yeah. D, you have Matt Prater. You have Matt Prater, who's tied for the league record. In for Denver. Yeah, he knows how to kick there. He can kick long balls, yeah. It's unbelievable. Absolutely. It is unbelievable. It is. And, and I was driving to the airport on Monday in Denver, and they were still talking about it on the radio, and they were just aghast. Yeah, well, obviously this is going to be a pretty good game this week, the, the Ravens and the Patriots. And I've seen a lot of talk about Tom Brady and how he really needs to show up this week. Obviously, he's done well in AFC Championship games, but now with these Super Bowl losses to the Giants, people are doubting the great Tom Brady. I don't know why. Do you agree with that? No, I don't. I don't know why. And who would doubt Tom Brady's the best quarterback in the game today and one of the greatest ever? Um, you know, it, it's funny because I've heard people say in the past, you know, Peyton Manning, the greatest quarterback in the game. Well, my, I count with, listen, I think Peyton Manning is a terrific quarterback, wonderful to watch, certainly lead, first ballot Hall of Famer, all that stuff. He's not even the best quarterback of his own generation. Tom Brady is. Tom Brady's 17-6 and six in the playoffs. Manning's 9-11. and 11. Brady's been to five Super Bowls. Manning's been to two. Brady's won three. I mean, you, you just go down the list. So, I mean, is it Tom Brady's fault that New England lost last year? The last time I checked, he put him ahead, and the Giants rallied with a drive at the end and a miracle catch by Marilyn Manningham. Was it Tom Brady's fault they lost in 2007? Last time I checked, he threw a touchdown pass to Randy Moss to put him ahead. And it was a miracle catch by David Tyree that, that helped put the Giants on the board for the go-ahead touchdown at the end. Both those games, the defense didn't hold up. It wasn't Brady's fault. So um, I, I, don't, I don't share those, those qualms about Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady is just a remarkable quarterback to watch and, and a pleasure to see. And I think we all better kind of appreciate him while he's here because when he's gone, you're going to say, man, remember how great Tom Brady was? And, and he is. I mean, he just is, he, he's so much fun to watch. And uh, to me, it's, so it's, it's just a clinic every time he goes out there. And as you guys pointed out, conference championship games, 5-1, and one, but conference championship games at home, he hasn't been beaten. Wow. And, uh, and of course, you mentioned uh, defenses, you know, helping out there on the, uh, with the Giants' Super Bowl wins. Now, def- defense certainly helped Joe Flacco last week. The Denver secondary was 
nothing like what the Patriots secondary might be like with Aqib Tlaib. Do you think Joe Flacco is going to have the same amount of success through the air that he did last week? I don't know that he will for a couple reasons, one of which is the weather. I mean, if you check that, guys, it's going to be a you know, relatively warm day, 45 degrees, but strong winds. That's going to have an impact on both teams. Um, and the temperature is going to start plummeting that night, but the wind is what would concern me. Um, secondly, I don't know that because, um, you know, it's just, it's just a different game. I mean, all of a sudden, Flacco, he throws that ball 70 yards at the end of the game. I guarantee you there's no Raheem Moore on this ball club. That's not going to happen with a Bill Belichick team. No one's going to let that ball get over his head. And if that doesn't happen, we're talking about Denver and New England, not Baltimore and New England. But that said, you know, I was looking today at um, pass plays over 20 yards. No one gave up more than New England this year. I think it was 74. So they do give up deep balls. And the guy they've got to be concerned about is Torrey Smith. Torrey Smith gashed him the last time they played, which was in September. He had two touchdowns, and you guys might remember that. That was the weekend when his brother passed away. And then last year in the playoffs, conference championship game, three catches, 84 yards. One of those was a touchdown, so they better keep their eyes on him. And I suspect they probably will, and they'll keep so many uh, – they'll have so much attention on him that guys like Bolden or Pitt might be guys that can beat them with shorter intermediate passes. Absolutely, and, of course, Tlaib is, is a guy who might be able to help with that, obviously. Yeah, he covered Andre Johnson last week, so he might. All right, so let's go ahead and flip the script, talk about the NFC. This game in Atlanta, the Georgia Dome, the 49ers going to visit. Obviously, the 49ers a great team. Atlanta finally getting over the hump and getting Tony Gonzalez and Matt Ryan that first playoff win. What, what do you see in this game here? What's, what's your most intriguing storyline? Well, the most intriguing storyline is Atlanta, whether it can do uh, sort of the improbable two weeks in a row. Um, I, I thought they were lucky to escape that game last week, and it, and it played out very differently than I thought. But in the end, I, I just came to the conclusion that, you know what, these guys are destined to fail. They're going to fail. They, they, they've lost this game. And lo and behold, Matt Ryan redeems himself, and the Falcons redeem themselves for that drive at the very end. And, and suddenly they're in the playoffs and, um, and st- are still in the playoffs in the conference championship game. Now they're up against a better team. And uh, that's just not me speaking. Look at the odds. San Francisco's a visiting team and yet a four-and-a-half-point favorite. I, I don't recall that happening in, in a long time. I don't know when the last time that happened was. But um, look at that, and I go, there's a reason. And the reason is because of the second half. These guys couldn't stop Russell Wilson and the Seahawks passing attack. And I think San Francisco looked at that and they said, look at the plays Russell Wilson made outside the pocket. If he can do it, what are we going to be able to do with Colin Kaepernick? Because they gashed Green Bay. And they had 579 yards, over 300 yards rushing. We all know that. And he got the ball down the field. Um, And I think that San Francisco says we can do some damage there. And we're going to be more effective defensively than Seattle was. Seattle, I think, was really handicapped by the loss of Clemens. Didn't pressure the pocket as much as I thought. And I thought the the cornerback play was was shaky. And and San Francisco's got a physical, aggressive defense, much like Seattle's. But I think they come in here with a lot of confidence saying, listen, we're rolling. We're better on both sides of the ball. We're going to win this game. I think they will win this game. Now, wow. All right. So there's the prediction right there from Clark. Now, uh, I want to ask you about the 49ers defense here. Uh, you, You saw Justin Smith come back last week. How healthy is he? And how big of an impact does that play with Alden Smith sacking the quarterback because he is going to need to get to Matt Ryan if they want to win this game? Yeah, exactly. And I do think a lot of it depends on Justin Smith. You know, 
when Kevin Gilbert said earlier this year something about Justin Smith holding and, and Jim Harbaugh reacted. Well, I mean, he was actually talking the truth. I mean, there's a lot of grabbing going on there, not just by Justin Smith, a lot of people. But I, I think he was on to something. And, and Justin Smith does make Alden Smith a better player because they've got to concentrate on him, and he's a low. Justin Smith is a terrific defensive player, and he does make the people around him better. One of those persons is Alden Smith. You notice when Justin Smith bowed out in the New England game earlier this year, all of a sudden, Alden Smith, you didn't hear his name again. Next week against Seattle, they got destroyed. You didn't hear Alden Smith's name again. Um, they come back the, the following week, and I think it was Arizona last game, you didn't hear Alden Smith's name. The yeah. reason, Justin Smith wasn't in the lineup. So I, I think he's, I, I'm going to guess, you know, 50%, 60%, I mean, something like that. I'm, he's better than a lot of guys, but he's not himself. And that does have an impact on Alden Smith. I think it's going to have an impact on their pass rush. And I agree with you. If they, they can't pressure the pocket, I do think those receivers can get open against the secondary. But um, um, I, I don't know. I just have a feeling that, you know, Atlanta Atlanta's just not as good as San Francisco. I've seen both these teams this year, and Atlanta had some close calls at home against Carolina, Oakland, Arizona. I mean, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> um, and, and so I look at this game, and I think, boy, the 49ers feel like we got here a year ago. We're pushing through. It's the same feeling that Baltimore has. Baltimore felt like we got here a year ago. We were the better team. We're pushing through. So the, the um, emotional edge certainly goes to San Francisco, and I think the emotional edge goes to Baltimore in the uh, New England game, too. But I will tell you this. I do think Atlanta feels as if it escaped the noose last week, and maybe it's, it's not as tight. Maybe it's just as more relaxed and feels like the pressure's off. That's the case. Yeah, they got a shot, but I, I don't think they've got a great shot. Yeah, I, I really like the 49ers in this game, too, Clark. All right, well, one last question for you. Both Harbaugh's, you know, that they have a chance once again to establish the Harbaugh what do you think, I guess, the chances of that are, and which Harbaugh has really done better this year leading their team to this point? That's a good question. I, I would say John. I mean, Jim's done a heck of a job. It's, it's, it's you know, really tough to pick like 1 and 1A, one but, but John, because he started the season without the defensive player of the year, and that was Terrell Suggs. He wasn't supposed to be back, be back until November, and most people thought he wouldn't be back, period. Then he lost Ray Lewis lost his best cornerback. There were the Ray Rice contract issues. There was the Joe Flacco contract issue, which is still going on. And then Ed Reed, in summer last uh, year, said, yeah, I don't know that I'm going to play. I don't feel good. I, and I thought there were just too many issues. Plus, he had an offensive line. It wasn't very good. And I just I thought, this team is, is going down. This team's going to be an 8-8 eight eight club this year. And somehow, he won another division championship. And look where he is. He's in his third conference championship game in five years. Boy, that's a good job. That's a really good job. Jim Harbaugh has done a terrific job in San Francisco, too, and I don't want to denigrate what he's done because he made a tough call, much like John did. John got rid of his offensive coordinator with three weeks ago. That's unheard of, and yet he's in the conference championship game. Jim switched quarterbacks in the second half of the season. That's unheard of when your quarterback's 26-1 and one under you, and he switched to a relative unknown. Guy hadn't started the game, and now he's 6-2 and two with Colin Kaepernick. He's in the conference championship game. But if you're asking me which of those two, yeah, I'll, I'll go with John. All right. He is one of the most respected columnists uh, covering the NFL today and, of course, a WFUV member. Clark Judge, thanks for coming on all season, and can't wait to have you back next year. Thanks so much, Clark. My pleasure, guys. Thank you. So there's Clark for you. Obviously, uh, he he's pretty opinionated about Mike McCoy. I, I love his quote uh, about getting Peyton Manning instead of Mike McCoy. I stole that from him earlier, but... Either way, he talked a little bit of AFC and NFC championship news. This gives us a chance to talk about the AFC and the NFC championship. Obviously, you look back the last week, 
riveting playoff games uh, all around, really, except for the Patriots game, which I thought, of course, got a little bit out of hand. Pats beat the Texans 41-28. The Ravens defeat the Broncos in double overtime to move on to a Patriots-Ravens rematch. And, Kenny, right off the bat, you thank God Billy Cundiff is nowhere to be seen. (laughs) That is true. Uh, Billy Cundiff would have certainly left his mark on that game, but – I, I really I like both of these games. Now, last week, I I had such a hard time watching that Broncos-Patriots game because Peyton Manning, I thought, deserved to win that football game. Now, he didn't play his best game, but still, the Broncos secondary really let them down. And it was Broncos-Ravens. I, I was uh, mistaken there. I'm just I'm thinking all about the Patriots right now. This is very strange. I <laughs> Really strange. Um, but Joe Flacco, come on. Throwing it like 50 yards down the field, just chucking it up there in a double coverage, and that's your game-tying touchdown pass, really? To Jacoby Jones, who dropped a couple big passes in that game? I, I just, It just doesn't make—it's not fair, really, to the Broncos, but clearly something that was just destined to happen. The secondary falls apart. That game was clearly the worst of the two. The other the other one, the Seahawks, or there were there were four games. I'm sorry, I'm all over the place today. The Seahawks and the Falcons, mm-hmm. that was my favorite game just because, Absolutely. because I was rooting for Matty Ice the whole way and he comes through that last drive and he shows you what you can do with thirty seconds. You should take notes, John Fox, with the <laughs> ball and the t- you know, at least one time out and he gets it done. They win that game and then of course the whole the kick or whatever that and that almost threw the game back to the Seahawks. Sure. I wish we could get some NFL films music in here. It would just these pauses would be a little filled. They know? would be. Uh, however, I don't think we're going to go that direction. I'm I'm looking for the judgment from the back. Nick Lejurf, our producer, says it looks like a split decision. No go. It looks it, like split. <laughs> I think Julian wants to play the NFL films music, and I would love it. Jets fans, you it know, they gets, they fly gets, together. It, it I suppose me in, gets me in the mood. Uh, of course, Nick says, hey, maybe in the second game we can get around to that. But all right, let's do that. Right. Obviously, compromise. Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> if only the people in Washington can do this. Uh, we can, so can they. Obviously, one thing that, that comes to my mind, at least, is I look back on, on Divisional Weekend, for me, is how the Broncos really – I I came away unimpressed with, with a lot of the Broncos. I did not come away unimpressed with Peyton Manning, other than one throw, the philo- which was The velocity awful. was not there, though. Well, it, was, it was just not there. Obviously, think about where you are. Right. The wind is one thing, but you are in a in a very cold day. It's it's not that humid. You're all the way up in the mountains. But that's what he signed up for, The Mike. ball should be able to fly. That's no, what... I, I'm agreeing with you. I think the ball should have been able to fly. I think okay. Peyton Manning lost at the end, but overall, I thought he played a pretty good game, minus the let's throw the ball back across my body halfway across the field. That was a terrible throw. Well, yeah, that was bad, and, you know, the cold with the grip on the ball, that also has an effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay Feely, actually, love his tweets. I was following him during the game. He said the the wind in the air mm-hmm. and then the, the altitude, kind they cancel each other out. So, basically, you can't throw the wind and say the wind was a big factor. It was pretty much a neutral environment, at least in the air, with the, how the ball was flying. So uh, I really I, – I, I think Peyton w- did enough to win that game. That's what I said before, and I'm going to stand by that because, yeah, he wasn't Pey- Peyton Manning, but in the playoffs he really sure. isn't Peyton Manning. That was, that was playoff Peyton Manning that we saw right there. Uh, a pretty good game, not great, not doing enough to really take over the game, 
But uh, again, the secondary, you can't play. You can't. He fell flat on his back, Raheem Moore. Flat on his back. Just looked like a pee wee secondary. And before we talk solely about the Ravens and the Patriots, a quick look at, at the Texans, who for much of the year could do no wrong. Matt Schaub started out very strong. Matt Schaub, frankly, had a touchdown pass on the first drive after being set up very nicely on a nice kickoff return, and it was dropped inexplicably right in the numbers, right at the goal line, which essentially set the tones for the entire Texans game. Are they contenders down the line, or are they in that second tier? Because I'm beginning to be concerned that they are second tier. Of course they're contenders. They didn't have Brian Cushing, if you remember. They're a big defensive anchor. That's like the Knicks not having Tyson Chandler. I... I really like what the Texans bring to the table. Schaub, he can get you to the AFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. This, I, I believe that. This year, the cards just weren't aligned. They played a very strong Patriots team. They, you know, Again, they were able to get by the, uh, the Bengals pretty easily. You have Arian Foster and Andre Johnson on one team, on one offense. Then you look at the defense. You have J.J. Watt, Connor Barwin, and Brian Cushing. How how yeah. is how are you going to tell me that this team isn't going to get out of the first round of the playoffs next year? Do you think that Matt Schaub is the kind of guy who can lead you to a championship right now? I mean, are you convinced that Matt Schaub could could be that guy? He could. Because I like could, Matt Schaub, but I'm not convinced at he all. He could. I think he could. I think he leaves them I'm not in willing second to gear. Bet, I'm not willing to bet that, but I think he could. So, obviously, the Texans not ending the season the way they had hoped or the way that most thought they might by the middle of the season. Let's talk solely now about the game at hand here. Let's let's forget about last week. I want to talk a little bit about the Patriots' defense because it's something Clark brought up in the interview. We talked about Aqib Tlaib, maybe the effect that he has in slowing down those number of big plays that the Pats allow. But the guy I came away with very, very impressed with his effort was Rob Ninkovich, who isn't nah, a big name. I was really I hate him. Really? He's a narc. He, he's like that kid who, if the te- if the teacher <laughs> forgot to collect the homework, he'd be like, wait, how about our homework? How about our homework, teacher? <laughs> what makes he was say- that kid in high school, man. What, what he makes was, you say You that? know it. You just know it by looking at Nick. He ruins everything. He ruined the Jets season. He ruined everything. He, he's, it all, it all comes him, out. They should call him Narkovich. That's what they should call him. <laughs> It all comes out. It's it's but that inner Jets fan that's but keeping of course, you. From... But of course, he played well. I can't deny that. But no. he's just oh, I just I hate I hate Rob. <laughs> Nonetheless, if he if he hits Joe Flacco and makes him fumble, I'm gonna be very happy this weekend. Even though I hate Narkovich. We're done. The We're done. I'm done gra- with that. <laughs> <laughs> the seven-year Purdue grad, the the seventh-year uh, NFL player. I thought he played an outstanding game, and every time Jim Nance says his name, you can tell that his Hello, day friends. is perked up a little bit. Hello, yeah. friends. Yes. Hello, Rob Ninkovich. <laughs> you know, they, they're close. Yeah, they're Rob friends. Ninkovich. That's right. <laughs> they talk on uh, on the weekends. I mean, it's, they've got to be close. I think, you feel I it. think Ninkovich to Nance is like Leonard Weaver to, to uh, uh, Al Michaels. Remember? <laughs> Leonard Weaver. It's just it's one of those great calls. <laughs> Well, he, he played uh, a good game. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to get back on track. Eight both sacks during the year. The yes. And uh, look, I think at the end of the day, both of us would be very pleased to ever have our names mentioned in the same sentence, paragraph, yeah. or 25-page paper as Al Michaels or Jim Nance. Yeah. However, 
Let's look at this defense right now. I love the linebackers. I think that's going to be a huge plus against a Ray Rice-led offense. Yeah. And I think Will Fork and Ninkovich will have a very good impact for this Patriot defense. And, of course, I think schematically they're always very good under Bill Belichick defensively. Of course. I, th- I think they have a decided advantage on that side of the ball over the Ravens' offense, and I don't know how the Ravens are going to keep up with Tom Brady. I don't know how Joe Flacco did so well vertically passing the ball. Uh, you know, It was only because of the incompetence in the Denver secondary, and True. I think that if they shut down Ray Rice, which I think they have a good chance to do w- with Narkovich, I-, I think that they can certainly win this game defensively, and that's something that we didn't think we could say about the Patriots early in the year, even last year. I mean, this team couldn't stop a nosebleed, honestly. Oh, God. I'm I'm not kidding. <laughs> and Aqib Tlaib, he really completely re-energized the secondary. The defense is playing well. They have good – what, what they have uh, – their rookie – well, they have Chandler Jones, and I believe they have – it's the Ravens who have Hightower, right? Uh, no, the Donta Hightower is the uh, outside play for linebacker the, for right. Yeah. He does play for the Pats. For the okay. Pats, yeah. I think they have Ingram, uh, the 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 uh, Ravens. But yeah, I believe so. A lot of good youngsters. You have a Talib. They certainly have been getting it done defensively. And you know Tom Brady's going to show up. And you know Deion Branch is going to show up. And you know uh, Aaron Hernandez will, and Gronk won't because he hurt himself last week. Again, this team is complete right now, and I really think they're destined. To compete in the Super Bowl, I still I still think it's San Fran's year. Well, that's a place we're gonna have to reach here in about now? What, five minutes, I think. The the oh. NFC. Okay. Still oh. still got a little time here and a chance to talk about the Ravens defense against the Patriots on the offensive end. And you look and things are starting to, to round into shape a little bit. I know you're not a Ray Lewis fan, neither am I, frankly. Of course, they're still missing Webb at cornerback. That's still a huge Kills loss. Them. Kills them. Huge loss defensively for them. But you know they're going to come strong, as they always do. Haloti Nada, of course, a phenomenal end in that in that defense. Of course, Ray Lewis with 10 tackles last week. I didn't think he looked great, but I think he looked good enough What well, was not in a the game middle. changer, but he, he racked up the numbers. Yeah. I, I, as I see it right now, the Patriots – I think have a have a real advantage on offense too. I don't see how the Ravens win this game because I look at the Pats offense and the way they can run over the middle and I don't think an an inside linebacker like Ray Lewis can keep up. They had the 20th uh worst their 20th best rush defense and the 17th best pass defense with 288 yards a game. So really right in the middle or at the bottom of the pack, Mike. And you look through these these games and, again, you know, you beat Cleveland. Yeah, okay, you beat all these bad teams. You beat Kansas City 9-6. Mm-hmm. That's not a bright spot for you. No. And then, I don't know. I I think that this team, defensively, they have a little bit of struggles. By the way, they lost four of five games to end the year, and right. the Texans lost three of five. And why is everyone saying the Texans are limping and backing into the playoffs when the Ravens clearly were the ones deteriorating? Well, and they were literally limping into the playoffs. I mean, when you lose the guys that they lost on defense at the end of a year, you are legitimately limping like your leg is broken off into the playoffs. But no one cares. No one cares that they lost to Pittsburgh and Washington and Denver and Cincy. They beat the Giants, and, oh, well, now they have Ray Lewis, so all of a sudden they're the best team ever. Well, and and tell me this. You look at those four wins, or sorry, four losses at the end of the season for them, and and those aren't 
terrible losses. The the Bengals made the playoffs. The Steelers said they had Roethlisberger during the time he was out. Likely would have made the playoffs over these Ravens. The Broncos were the number one seed. I mean, those weren't terrible losses either, and that was without Ray Lewis and without uh, w- without Ladarius Webb. Those are the two biggest playmakers outside of Ed Reed on your defense, and two of the top four players. I actually think Haloti Nada is the second best player on that defense at this particular point in time. Uh, the way I see it, defensively, they they lost half of the half the playmakers they had. And you just kind of have to move on with that. I don't think anyone ever said they were the best ever. Frankly, I think they're a 10-point underdog this week. I, I, Yeah, and I agree with that because they're playing the Patriots. But say this team is playing— In Foxborough, right. no less. But, but say, you know, say this team was playing the Texans, I, how much of a favorite would they be? I honestly think they might be a 7- to 10-point favorite if they're playing the Texans, which is not, which is not acceptable to no. me. But, you know, again— it's because of the Lewis thing, and everyone's you know there's so mu- so much emotion there. How about Tom Brady, who who has not done well in the Super Bowl in recent years, True. and has not done well in the playoffs in recent years. Not like he'd want to. This guy knows that eventually his prime's going to be gone, and it's going to come soon. Belichick knows that. This team really, really wants to win. I don't know if Tom Brady gets to the Super Bowl that he's going to let him he's going to let the Patriots lose it. And I don't think he's going to let them lose this game either. I agree with you. Tell me this real quick before we get to picks. Ray Lewis obviously has a lot on the line. This could be the end of his career, although there are people in the Ravens locker room who don't think that there's going to be a retirement at the end of the year that he's going to come back. <laughs> I don't believe that. I think he's gone after the year. That's baloney. That said, he has plenty to leave behind on his legacy. He only has one ring. You look at Tom Brady. He already has his rings, but everyone points to those losses to the Giants and says that his legacy is already tarnished. Come on. Who needs this more? Well, Brady, I th- Ray Lewis needs it more. Okay. But Tom Brady, you can't say Tom Brady you know, needs it a lot less than Ray Lewis. I mean, Tom Brady really wants to be considered the greatest quarterback of all time, and that's simply not going to happen unless he, he gets maybe five rings. Because you look at Montana, Montana was undefeated in the Super Bowl. Right. Brady is not. But the the you know losing to the Giants that tarnishes his legacy, absolutely not. All that shows is that Tom Brady, you know, does does not do well when he's under pressure, and he's not a very good he's not very good at creating space for himself and and making plays happen with his feet. And that's just not the type of quarterback he is. And you shouldn't expect him to be able to do well against good pass rushes. But look, Brady clearly needs this a lot. Ray Lewis, though, with the one ring, he's going out. This is his last year. Of course, he probably needs it a little bit more. Brady will be around. Of course, Clark talked about that previously, about Tom Brady kind of bringing things along and how competitive he really is. But if there's a time to bring in the NFL Films music that you so desperately oh, wanted, yes. it's got to be right now for picks, right? We're just going to keep it rolling now, right? No, it, it, we're probably going to get rid of it and bring it back for the oh, NFC on. picks. That'll be the way we'll roll here. I hope that's okay with you. Fine. The AFC Championship game, it is in New England. It is Baltimore and New England. The game is on CBS. It's at Gillette Stadium. It is a 6.30 start on this Sunday, January 20th. In the back, Julian, he says Baltimore is going to win this game. The purple and black are going to take this one home. Nick LeGerfo, on the other other hand, goes with Boston, goes with New England, goes with the Patriots. Kenny, 
Where do you go? H- how do you pick against the Ravens? Or sorry, against the Patriots? <laughs> I, Man, I was, I think, I was I think, there for I think, a second. I think now we know who's gonna win. I, Tom oh Brady is gonna win this football game, and it's only gonna be Tom Brady. It's not gonna be Shane Vereen. Not gonna be Wes Welker. Not gonna be Bill Belichick. It's gonna be Tom Brady, and one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And he's going to shine over Joe Flacco, over Ray Rice, and over Ray Lewis. He has nothing, nothing on Tom Brady. Ray Lewis and the Ravens will lose by 12 points. So at least. The Patriots by at least a dozen, according I'll, to Kenny Ducey. I'll say, I'll say at least nine, actually. At least <laughs> nine. That's 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 a little bit better. That's right I'll, around I'll the take, line. I'll take the Patriots with the spread. Okay. Yeah, that, that's the what pass. I meant. That's what I meant. Fair enough. Nick, of course, with the Pats. Kenny with the Pats, Julian with Baltimore. I'm not going with Julian. I'm Crazy going with Nick. Julian. Julian is out of his skull right now. He has that skull gotta, cap too. Got to go with with the Patriots here. As uh, look, I understand Julian got the the Ravens right last time, but I mean, come on, that's not going to happen again. Very yeah. lucky here. So I'm going to go here with New England. I think Tom Brady going to take care of business. Yeah, and one time you actually got a win in fantasy football too. I mean, you can't. <laughs> You're saying even a blind man can occasionally, <laughs> occasionally strike it rich? Yeah, fair enough. The uh, the NFC here uh, is equally interesting in my opinion. I think it's actually going to be a better game of the two, which is why we saved it for last, despite it being the first game in the lineup. This one on Fox, Joe Buck going to have the call, so you know I'll be watching. Oh, Games at three. Spectacular. It is- <laughs> Can't wait. Oh, jeez. The Falcons are hosting San Francisco. He has a great taxi cab show that, that you showed me a while back. <laughs> the Joe Buck show. With, he interviewed Paul Rudd in the back of a taxi cab. And uh, it, it, you should check that out on YouTube. It's, it's, it's fantastic. It, just the questions were so unexpected. I just, they really were. <laughs> and, it's, and it's Joe Buck. How you, you'll never see him. He's laid back. He's just hanging out with Paul Rudd. There, there, there may be belts that come loose. You, sh- you should watch. You should check it out. There's some. There's some beverages had. <laughs> it was. It was a pleasant experience for us to watch together. But either way, the Falcons are hosting the 49ers. You seem to think that the 49ers are the team of destiny right now, in part because they have yet to muff a punt. <laughs> Although I don't think that's your reasoning. Kenny, before we go any further, go ahead and tell me why you think the 49ers, with a rookie quarterback, essentially, really in his yeah. in his first okay. real effort, his first real season yeah. here, and he only played half of it. He's six and two as a starter. How he's going to outplay Matt Ryan in the Georgia Dome? First of all, what is there about the 49ers not to like? What's not to like? You got Jim Harbaugh. You got a Harbaugh as your coach. You have Colin Kaepernick, a guy who can run the football, who can throw the football, very talented, explosive, making defense, making Demarcus Ware, you know, look like he's unconscious when he's playing against him. I don't know if you watched that Cowboys game, but uh, honestly, making him look like a fool. Uh, actually, that was that was RG three, but he does the same thing. They also have Frank Gore, right? One of the he still has it, he's which is unbelievable. The, yeah, one of one of the better running backs in this league. Yeah, I think eight years strong. Michael Crabtree's emerged. Vernon Davis, one of the most athletic tight ends in NFL history. And and then, of course, you have other role players that they can look to, uh, even on just on that offense. Defensively, 
one of the greatest defenses in the league right now. Alden and Justin Smith, the Smith brothers who aren't related. Yes. Patrick Willis, one of the greatest linebackers in the game right now. A great secondary. There is nothing about this team that's weak. Nothing. At least the Patriots, you can look at them, you can say, you know what, their defense, not that great. Earlier in the year, not that great. Aqib Tlaib, he's turned it around. There's still some question marks. The receiving core, sometimes it can be a little iffy for Tom Brady. We've seen Welker even drop passes before. There's injuries. The 49ers, they're healthy. Even the Falcons. Look at the Falcons. Michael Turner, is he going to win you a Super Bowl? No, he's not going to win you a Super Bowl. They are they are the best of the, th- the four teams remaining right now, Mike, and I honestly, I don't see how they can be beat. I really don't. Because if they don't have it offensively, their defense is going to shut down whatever offense they're against. And that it's as simple as that. I don't think they can lose. And Kaepernick, he is everything that you would want in a quarterback, even if he doesn't turn out to be one of the top three, top, top five in the league. He still can deceive defenses. And at the end of the day, if you can deceive your opponent, it is much easier to beat them. Absolutely, and before we go any further, my my quick homage to Frank Gore, because this is I his love, eighth I year. Love Frank Gore. Frank Gore is the king of my fantasy league. That's what he is. He's like I've drafted him three years straight. That's right, eight thousand eight hundred and fifty yards <laughs> in his career. He could eclipse ten thousand next year. So there's my moment to pay homage to one of the most consistent running backs in the league in my opinion he's he uh, had four straight years where he missed at least a game and then the last two he has come on strong here and he went to the U yes he did and he did. he's out of Miami so uh, he was talent. born in Miami so much talent when he was on that team I think they had Ken Dorsey right they had a uh, how are you calling that talent Ken Dorsey was a great college quarterback great college quarterback but but that's where it ended either way you look right now at the 49ers, and, and the obvious question mark has to be Colin Kaepernick. Now you look at, at this Falcons defense and what they did to Russell Wilson, who is not the same player by any stretch. He's, he's smaller, obviously, doesn't possess the same arm strength I think Colin Kaepernick has, but I think his overall played a pretty strong season, the rookie out of Wisconsin. You look at Colin Kaepernick and you would think he could do pretty well against the Falcons defense that gave up 28 points to Russell Wilson just a week before who has much fewer in my opinion actual targets to throw to I think there's so much more explosiveness to this offense for the 49ers than the Seahawks had and if that's the case you could see 35 or 40 points going up against the Falcons I really think you can I mean that that defense it's not it's not great Okay, I will say that I like Abraham, even though he's a little banged up, and and Weatherspoon. I mentioned that on the, on uh, the last show, and they mm-hmm. have a couple of good corners there, but still, I, I mean, it's no match for the 49ers and Kaepernick. Kaepernick has showed that he can carve up any defense right now, and it's not going to be the defense that wins you the game. It's going to be uh, if you really want to beat the Niners, it's going to have to be an offensive shootout, and they've shown you that they have a pretty darn good defense too. So Ryan's going to have to bring his his A plus game if he wants to win this. Well, and let's talk about Matt Ryan. He is 34-6 and in the Georgia Dome as the Falcons' starting quarterback, the Boston College uh, uh, graduate. The 49ers are 5-2 and this year, according to ESPN, when they face a top-10 quarterback by total QBR. Matt Ryan is a top-10 quarterback by total QBR. I don't think he's a top 10 quarterback by any stretch in the playoffs. I don't think he played a great game. He did what he needed to do, but let's be honest, they nearly croaked that game away. 
as I see it right now, the 49ers defense against the Atlanta Falcons offense has the potential to be just a bit of a mismatch to me. I, I think it certainly is, Mike. I mean, I, I think you make a lot of great points. And this game, uh, even though it could be the better of the two, if you look at it on paper, I don't think it is. Just because I think the Niners outmatch really anyone. And, and I, I'm sure that if the Niners lose this game, we're going to be playing all these things I say and laughing at me for saying that they can't be matched. <laughs> but honestly, I mean, what offense right now? Did the Falcons offense match the running the vertical and horizontal game, the Niners have? No. And again, when are they going to abandon Michael Turner? When? He's, he, is, he stinks. Yeah. He, he played all right last game, which was against the Seahawks, which was surprising to me. But for most of the season, he's been holding them back. They have to throw with Matt Ryan. They know they're not going to get big yards on the ground with Michael Turner. I, I, they have to draft a running back, trade for a running back, something. Look at what the Giants did. At least they drafted Wilson. Now, you know, a couple years, maybe he'll be something. They have, the Falcons have Jaquiz Rogers. He's a stopgap in years to come. Again, you have Matt Ryan and Roddy White and all those great receivers. And Julio, Julio Jones, Jones, right. And Tony and, Gonzalez could be gone right. next year. You don't know. Yeah, but I think the passing game will certainly survive and because they're so great, their offense will be good for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. But, again, you need to start looking at what you're going to do on the ground. All right, so let's look at it this way. If the Falcons win, it is because blank. I'll go ahead and start this off. Matt Ryan hits Julio Jones for at least 100 yards, and Tony Gonzalez scores at least one touchdown with at least 75 yards. That's how I see it. I see him playing a consistent game and getting those two involved early. I think that's the only way you could potentially beat the 49ers with with the Falcons' offense, the weapons they have, I don't think it starts with Michael Turner. Matt Ryan needs to get the ball outside to Julio Jones and needs to take advantage of Tony Gonzalez in the middle. How do you think the Falcons could beat the 49ers? The Falcons beat the 49ers if there are no – well, there are two things really for right. me. The Falcons beat the 49ers if they that offensive line of Atlanta limits the Niners to, Niners to two sacks or less. Okay. And Roddy White has two touchdowns. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Ro- Do you Roddy need White both? has to step up. Do it. Yes. Okay. I, I, the, the, the defensive one, probably less than the Roddy. I really think that Roddy White needs okay. to step up and Matt Ryan needs to find Roddy White deep if they want to win this game. He's a huge play receiver. I mean, Julio Jones is maybe the bigger deep threat, but Roddy White is the more talented receiver and he's going to have to step up as well as Matt Ryan to win this football game. I'm not going to count on Michael Turner for anything. Okay. Well, I'm going to leave us here with this single statistic here from ESPN, stats and information. I think it's a very good one. The 49ers offense in the pistol is is what I'm looking at here. Okay. In weeks 11 to 17, the, the beginning of the Kaepernick era, they completed 233 yards worth of offense in the pistol. That's it. 233 yards total in the pistol because they only used it on 10% of their offensive plays. 233 yards. In week 19, 233 yards last week right. because they used it 45% of their time, 45% of the time, and the yards per rush went up from 4.8 over that 6-week stretch to 8.0. 
So the, I think the pistol is actually going to be the formation of choice, and I think it'll be interesting to watch. Well, you know why they used that is because they saw RG3 beat the D- Seahawks for two early touchdowns right. with the pistol, and that's why they decided to go for it almost half the time. Do you think they're going to go that way this week, or do you think they, they're going to go a completely different direction against what is a very different Atlanta team? I think they're going to go more pistol than they had been, but I don't think they go 45%. Again, it's hard to argue what happened even last week uh, with the you know with the success they had. I think that you can keep going to it, but I, I, I don't know. I, I think that probably around the same amount of plays will be the pistol. So this gives us a good time. Oh, there we go. To get a little more NFL films music in. Duh. Some of the great music in, in our uh, generation. Yeah, I love NFL films music. Yes. Symphonic music. It's got to be NFL films. So, of course, I think this is the good game of the weekend. It is on Fox. It's in the Georgia Dome. You can catch it at 3 o'clock on Sunday. It is the early game. Julian says it's going to be Hot Lana taking it home. What is all wrong the way to the with Super you? Bowl. They're going to New Orleans, where, according to him, they're going to face Baltimore. Nick is going with the 49ers where he says that San Francisco and Harbaugh aren't going to a hard bowl. They're going to face the Patriots in New Orleans. That's his Super Bowl prediction. Kenny Ducey sits across from me. You already said the Patriots are making a, a, a trip, a return trip to the Super Bowl and going to New Orleans. Who's going to join them down there? The same team that should have joined them last year, the San Francisco 49ers. I wasn't on this show until like week five, Mike, but I picked preseason the Niners to beat the Texans in the Super Bowl. We all know how the Texans turned out, but the Niners, they're still looking good. The 49ers, says Kenny Ducey. What do I say? I think Julian is nuts. He's crazy. I mean, twice that he's picked against the other three, I'm going with the 49ers. I could see crazier things happening. I really could. Then Atlanta winning. I don't trust Matt Ryan, and I trust Colin Kaepernick, if you can believe it, more than I trust Matt Ryan. So I'm going with the Niners. Captain Clutch. Captain Clutch. That's all. The Niners, man, they really, again, they have the complete package. What what is wrong about the 49ers? They're perfect. Nothing in this world could could possibly be wrong with these Niners. Before before we leave, Mike, uh, there is more Jets news. No? They are Manish Mehta says uh, former Eagles offensive coordinator Marty Moore. I can't pronounce this. Morhenweg is Morning expected Wig, right. to be the new Jets offensive coordinator. Does that mean Michael Vick's coming to town? It could. Does that mean Michael Vick's coming? This is great music to get that in. Michael Vick, like potentially dr- dramatic look. A yeah. guy who could who could come to. You know, New York. We'll see. But by the way, either way. Oh. By the way, Dorsey didn't play with Gore. But listen to this team before we get Real going. Quick. Sean Taylor, Devin Hester, and uh, Kellen Winslow were on that team. And and uh, no, I thought that was Darnell Dockett. No, it's not. What am I holding up? I'm holding up the U. I'm holding up the, the U. The That's U, what I'm man. doing right now. I was a big fan back then. For Nick Legerfo, who was producing today, Julian Atienza, who was making bad picks today. Terrible. For Kenny Ducey across the table from me, I'm Mike Watts. Thanks for joining us this week. Go Chudzinski. Narkovich. This has been One on One's NFL Friday, only on WFUVsports.org. Join us next week as the guys take you around the NFL. We'll see you then.